What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Well, we are just a day away from the Chargers, and the Chiefs cannot wait for that game. You know who's going to be a tough call for a lot of fantasy managers? Mike Williams is going to be a tough call. You figure there Mm -hmm. should be a decent amount of pass attempts. Can Mike Williams come down with it? You know what, guys? It's going to be me biting my nails the entire time. Uh, Wait to see how Are you starting him? Do you already have him locked into your lineup? No, I don't. I think I'm sitting him. For whom? For for KJ Osborne and Van Jefferson. Osborne's a little risky though, because we got to yeah, see about that's feeling. the one I would say. Think a little long and hard about that one before you commit to it. Jefferson, I'm with you on. Jefferson's easy. What about my other? Je- I've also have Justin Jefferson in that league. What do you think? Justin Jefferson or Mike Williams? Who's on the waiver wire? <laughs> Not Traquan Smith. I already have him. So Why? I'm curious because you said you're going to be sweating it, but you also said you're likely going to be sitting him. Yeah, be rooting against him. So you have three guys in your lineup, and their points count towards whether or not you win this week. And one guy on your bench who has no relevance as to whether you win or lose this week. Right. And you're cheering against the guy who's on your bench. It's not, it's cheering against, it's cheering for my decision. I don't want to be wrong. Uh, I don't know that I could say it's because I have Terry McLaurin too. So we have to see. I don't like McLaurin. You might not have a choice because if McLaurin doesn't practice by Thursday. He's, he's to... another tough call. It's a terrible matchup. Yes. He's playing like, like he's not he's not producing. He's not getting a lot of targets. Uh, it's another tough call. But all right, we got week 15 tough calls. Rashad Penny's going to be one of them for sure. Uh, Lamar Jackson is going to be one of them for sure. We'll, we'll also look at the Thursday night game. And if you guys are good, if you behave, we'll play the Fantasy Feud. Ah, hooray. No kissing this time, Adam. <laughs> okay. Deal. Who is the toughest call for you, Heath, this week? Do I dare even say his name? Uh, no, I'm not going to say his name. I'm going to try to avoid it the whole week. Um, I, don't know who I think the toughest about. call might be Penny. Okay. Should we start you know there? who the name is, right? No, I don't. Dave Cass? I don't. James Robinson? That's mine. Okay. I was going to, I'm just going to say Rashad Penny. Okay. Let's talk about Rashad Penny. Right now, he's 64% rostered. 
And he is facing the Rams coming off a 16-carry, 137-yard, two-touchdown performance. He has two catches in his last two games. What is tough about this call, and where is he ranked, Heath? The, well, I mean, first off, it's Rashad Penny. So it's tough. To, like The percentage of times that he has had a workload like last week and made it through the entire game healthy, I think maybe it's twice, maybe three times in his entire career. So that's a concern. It's a concern that he does not have more than one catch in any game this year. And that in the passing game is really the only way that running backs have had success against the Rams over the past two months. Um, But I also think he's probably going to get 16 plus touches. And there are not very many running backs that I feel like that's going to happen for this week. So like I struggle with Penny in relation to Deontay Foreman and then the Broncos, Ezekiel Elliott, James Robinson. And I know I will be out on a limb on this one, but the Packers. Or no, I mean the uh, yes, the Packers. Both of them. Both of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, AJ Dillon will talk about as a tough call a little bit later as well. Okay, so where did you end up ranking him? And then Dave can give his two cents on oh, his two cents, his two pennies on Rashad Penny. I currently have Rashad Penny 26th. At running back, I could see ranking him anywhere from 18th to 29th. Okay. Dave, your thoughts on this matchup here against a Rams defense that is allowing 3.06 yards per carry to running backs in their last six games. They have been suffocating against running backs. As Heath mentioned, it's basically been you got to catch passes uh, to be good against them or score touchdowns. James Conner scored two touchdowns, but it's mm-hmm. hard to run on them right now. So your thoughts on Penny? Well, I thought I'd start by just comparing Penny's last matchup with this matchup and how the Texans and Rams have done over the last two games. It's a small sample size, but I think it's a good microcosm of the year just in general. For example, missed tackles over the last two games. The Rams have missed six tackles. The Texans have missed 14 tackles. Hmm. Yards per carry allowed, 2.6 for the Rams, 5.4 for the Houston Texans. Rams have allowed three rushing touchdowns. Texans have allowed five. I think you're catching my drift here that the Rams are just a much, much tougher matchup, and Heath mentioned it, but you understand why they're a tougher matchup. They've got a much better defensive front. They're schemed a lot better, and that's going to make it hard to trust Penny as a locked-in number two fantasy running back. It's the opportunity that Heath talked about and the chance for him to score a touchdown, really, that makes me buy into him as a low-end number two fantasy running back. And I like the fact that the the Seahawks, they, they know what they've got in him, too. They know that he's not somebody that they can count on as a long-term option, but he's giving them a semblance of a run game right now. And I don't think they're going to be worried about well, we don't want to get them hurt so fast. It's the end of the year. They're making the best type of playoff push they can possibly make. They basically need to win out. So they're just going to let him go. And if he gets hurt, then they'll deal with it then. But until that point, they're happy to give him the workload that they would give any running back who's doing anything. And that's what he is. He's a running back who's giving them something compared to the other schlubs that they've had back there. So I'm okay picking him up off the waiver wire and using him as a low-end number two running back this week. I've got him ranked 21st in full PPR. And hopefully he survives the game. Hopefully everybody who starts him survives their fantasy matchups because the matchups do get easier for him. Yeah, I, I do think it's that might be really interesting to talk about the five running backs that I have Penny behind and Dave has him ahead of. Yeah, go ahead. 
Who are they? I assume Deontay Foreman's one of them. Yes. Let's give the matchups, by the way. Foreman's at Pittsburgh. And that's the Actually, one. Actually, no, like, that's not true. Foreman is not ahead of him, but he should be. I'm going to make that change right you're now. You're putting Foreman ahead of Penny right now. Putting Foreman ahead of Penny right now. So now we're at six. Um, no, it's the other way around. Four. Now we're at four. Okay. Got it. Um, you have both Broncos ahead of him. Yes. You have what about Zeke and Robinson? I do not have those guys ahead of him. Penny ahead and, of Robinson. Penny ahead of Zeke. And then I guess Ramon Ray would probably be the other one. Ramondre is definitely behind. Are me. you thinking that Harris is going to play? So you're just not going to rank Stevenson as high as you would. That's if Harris right. was out? I've moved Stevenson down because I'm expecting Harris to play, but we're not ranking Harris yet. No, not yet. But okay. in a couple of days we will. Okay. They have, I'm assuming they have a Saturday game, right? The Patriots. Right. They have so a Saturday game. You'll know so that it's basically advantage. Zeke and Robinson. Who are right. two and, of our other tough calls? They yeah. are. They 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 should absolutely be talked about on this very podcast. Oh, they will be. All right, so let's go to James Robinson then. And Robinson is facing Houston. I think that's the saving grace, right? That's what's making this such a tough call. <laughs> the same defense. Yeah, the Benny just tore. They up. give up the fourth most fantasy points to running backs. Uh, they've given up a touchdown to a running back in all but three games this year. It's you know, it's just you're salivating over. It. If James Robinson were really clicking and going right now. He'd probably He'd be, be in the top 12, 12 right? So, yep. um, Dave, first word on Robinson, and what, what kind of workload do you expect? He has tw- 14 carries in his last two games. So that's a loaded question. What I expect is I don't know because this coaching staff seems to not want to give him the type of workload that he deserves, that he's earned. He's played well when given the opportunity for the majority of this season, but this offense has turned to Duke, and now we don't know how many carries he's going to get. Heath can dress it up and say that Robinson had 75% of, of the running back workload last week, or just maybe that's carries. I don't know exactly what Rush it is. Attempts, yeah. yeah, well, guess what? It wasn't that much. You know, It's like saying I had 50% of the targets in the game – with the Patriots where Mac Jones threw but, three okay. passes. I, I think like that's, that. I think that's a, a good place to start because they ran the ball. They had eight rush attempts last week. They're probably sex. averaging um, 18 per game on the season. How many rush attempts do you think they'll have in a game when they're favored against the Houston Texans? Okay. So if I'm, if I'm playing the what's logical card, I would say they could have as many as 20 rush attempts against the Texans because hello, I just went through it. The Texans run defense. They miss a lot of tackles. They're not very good. They allow a high yards per carry average. They should give him a lot of work. So if he's getting 75% of 20 carries, that's awesome. That's a guy who I'd like to start close to the top 12. I don't know what they're thinking. And because I don't know what they're thinking, like I think I know what the Seahawks are thinking, if you're following me here, then I can't trust Robinson to go into my lineup and and deliver if he's going to just get another six carries and do nothing. He gave me 0.4 in one of my leagues last week. So the trust factor is very low. It's got nothing to do with Robinson as much as it has to do with Urban Meyer and the coaching staff and the decisions that they're making. He also played the majority of snaps for the Jaguars, but he just didn't get enough work. And I would think that in a game that is winnable for Jacksonville, yeah, that they would try and feed him a little so, bit yeah, more and so take let's some go. pressure off of Lawrence. So let's but get I, excited! Come on! But Adam, I I would have said the exact same thing last week. I don't think so. Because I might have even said tougher. the exact same thing last week that they should feed James Robinson but, but the football. Was, wasn't a game we thought was winnable, right? No, well, they true. look. I looked at the game log today. Right, they were down. They lost twenty nothing. They were down ten nothing. 
in the, at halftime. They were in it. They were within striking distance for much of the game, but for some reason, they were very, very pass-heavy in the first half. I mean, very unbalanced. Lawrence ended up throwing 40 passes in a game where they had the ball for about 23 minutes. The game script, I think, is going to be very different. Um, I think there's a really... I think there's an easy case to make for Robinson. I understand he is definitely a tough call, Which is but it it's fair an to easier say, case to make, I think, for him than against him this week. I, I think. And this this is strange to say, because I don't think I, I've ever suggested that Rashad Penny had a higher floor than anyone in any instance. Sure. But I, is it fair to say that James Robinson is by far the higher ceiling play and Penny is by far the higher floor play? No. I disagree. I don't I agree think, either. I think that Robinson has a higher floor. I think Penny has a really low floor. No, well, Robinson's floor is James zero. Robinson had zero point four fantasy points. His floor is really, definitely low. I don't really think it is. I, I I understand that everybody's floor is is zero on any given week. I mean, last week Terry McLaurin mm-hmm. had zero mm-hmm. points. Adam, hold Adam. on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me just explain. When I when I look at Rashad Penny, right, if they lose this game, and the Rams are ravaged by COVID right now, so we got to see who's in and who's out for them. If they lose this game, I want to tell you the amount of running back carries that the that the Seahawks have had when they've lost and when the, when it hasn't been Geno Smith. They've been willing to run the ball when they lose when Geno Smith's playing. When Russell Wilson's playing and they lose, 14, 14, 11, 17, and 10 running back carries. So you're talking, let's give them 14 carries, averaging three and a half yards per carry maybe with one catch. I see a floor of five fantasy points for mm-hmm. Rashad Penny. I, I think it's fair. I don't see, look, I know it could happen, obviously, because Urban Myers, Urban Meyer, whatever, but as long as he doesn't fumble, I really, I think I'm talking myself into James Robinson right now. I think I'm, but, I think I'm ready to go. But I don't know. I don't know. Like, what do we, Penny's ceiling is 75 yards and a touchdown? That's what I said last week, and he blew that out of the water. He yeah. doubled. Well, he's playing the Texans. It's hard to do that against the Rams. It's very hard, hard to do to that against, against the, Rams. the Rams. But if this Rams, if the Rams continue to incur a bunch of COVID losses, uh, who's left on that defense? I know they'll still have some star players, but the front seven, well, Donald and Von Miller, and front, sure, yeah, sure, sure. And they, they've gotten some good play out of their linebackers. Right. There's no question. But if one of those guys end up going missing, then of course the matchup will be easier. Even if those guys play, I think Penny will have the opportunities to break a couple of explosive runs. Um, I think he can do. I don't know if he can do. All right, fine. Seventy-five and a touchdown does seem close to his ceiling for this matchup. I don't know if that's even in the stratosphere for James oh, Robinson. Oh, I think even it against Houston. Oh, it absolutely is. To trust is James Robinson is to trust the offensive line and the coaching staff in Jacksonville. And here's, both of those things have not been trustworthy over the last few weeks. Here's my final, like, and I, I said this last night on the YouTube show. I, I think Houston is and this is maybe the only team you could say this about the Texans, but Houston is currently run better than Jacksonville as an organization, um, as a coaching staff. And Houston, I think, probably has the 31st best run team in the league. These teams both desperately for the future of their franchises should be trying to lose this game. It's not going to happen. That makes me think Jacksonville's probably going to win it by three touchdowns. Nobody tanks. <laughs> Players don't tank. I, I Nobody re- tanks. This same Jacksonville team last year benched Gardner Minshew for six weeks to play a variety of quarterbacks that were not any good at all because they were intentionally losing. Yeah, but the they, Jets, it's because not, they refused to tank, missed the number one pick. Yeah, there's no Trevor Teams Lawrence tank. this year. This, 
They're going to, you like know, the these Texans top are clearly tanking right now. Right. So they're going to, you know, there's no Trevor Lawrence this year. I, all right. Whatever. That's fine. Okay. That's a good theory. I'm going to do a Twitter poll. Uh, who do you like this week? Half PPR, Rashad Penny or James or Robinson? James Robinson. Listen, and, and something, what could sway me? What could sway me to taking James Robinson? If Urban Meyer comes out and says, yeah, I've been a real idiot moron about how I've used my <laughs> running backs, uh, James Robinson's definitely going to get the ball more this week. That type of thing. I know it's coach speaking. We don't want to trust lying liars that are coaching football, especially Urban Meyer. He's one of the lyingest liars that are out there. But some sort of information that tells us that Robinson will get more work than what he has in the past few games That'll help sway me. That'll help convince me that he's got a shot to get 15 touches against the Texans. Yes, I would rather have James Robinson with 15 touches against the Texans than Rashad Penny and 15 touches against the Rams. All right, let's go a little faster here, guys. Let's get to Lamar Jackson here. And first, I want to just promote one thing. Um, our DFS podcast. You want to set some DFS lineups? Maybe you don't have a lot of fantasy playoff teams, unfortunately, or you get eliminated this week or something like that. There's always DFS, and we've got a great podcast to help you out. It's called Fantasy Football Today DFS Podcast. Look for it wherever you listen to this podcast. It is fantastic. Lamar Jackson is a tough call. Per game, it's a little skewed because he uh, only th- he left really early last week. But now he's number nine in four point, number six in ten point per game. And he has only four games this year. He's oh. going to like this. Decimal scoring. Only four games this year with more than 21.5 fantasy points in decimal scoring. In six point per passing touchdown leagues, there are eleven quarterbacks averaging more than that this year. So, um, anyway, uh, yeah, he's got the bad ankle, and how much do you trust him against Green Bay, which has given up? They have given up um, five pass plays of forty six or more yards in their last three games, which is very unusual for them. Heath, how much do you trust Lamar Jackson? Where do you have him ranked? Yeah, probably the lowest that I have had him ranked in the past two and a half seasons. But um, he's still inside my top 12. Basically, I'm trusting Lamar Jackson unless I can get Tua off the waiver wire. I would not start Taysom Hill over him. I would not start Justin Fields or Jimmy Garoppolo over him. But I would start most of the guys that we've been treating as starters this year over him. Um, I do think that... Over the course of this year, Lamar has been a little bit unlucky in terms of touchdown production. And if he was 100% healthy and not facing a great defense, I would say there's going to be some touchdown regression in the final month of the season. But that's never guaranteed. It might happen next year. Um, I I think he's a low-end number one quarterback who still, like if if his ankle's just fine, he still has number one quarterback, the number one quarterback upside. But there's a lot of risk. Okay, Dave. What about you? Um, are you on Tua over over Lamar Jackson as well? I haven't gotten there yet, but I, I think I could see myself getting there just because I think Tua is safer. And in in these uncertain playoff times, taking a big risk, unless you're running into just an absolute juggernaut in the first round of your fantasy playoffs. I don't know if it's necessarily worth taking the risk of Lamar Jackson. His last three games, three touchdowns. Passing, none rushing, six interceptions. Completion rate is down to 61%, I believe. His yards per attempt is below six yards per throw. The offensive line isn't protecting him as well as it used to. And now teams are really not afraid to blitz him. In the past, they were afraid to really just, they tried to corral him and make him throw, and he'd be fine doing that. And sometimes he'd still escape and get plenty of rushing yards. Now they're coming after him. And if he's hobbled, that's only going to make it worse. 
I'm I'm really nervous about trusting Lamar Jackson and certainly expecting him to have a big game, especially in a year where he hasn't had a lot of big games. But the upside is undeniable. And the other thing that really keeps him in my top 12 is that you look at Justin Fields last week, you look at Stafford and Kirk Cousins the two weeks before, all against the Packers, all made a bunch of great throws and had explosive plays. And the Ravens love those types of explosive plays. So it could very easily be a Marquise Brown bounce back week. You know Mark Andrews is going to get his numbers. Bateman is coming off the best game of his career. If those guys are going to step up, then that obviously means that Lamar Jackson is doing his thing, and that keeps him in line as a top-12 fantasy quarterback that does continue to give him plenty of upside, even when he hasn't given you any reason to love him over the last three games he's played. Okay. I, I do have him ahead of Jalen Hurts, and oh. now I've moved I've moved Stafford to the back of the top 12 just with all the things going on with the Rams there. Well, what about all the things with going on with the Washington, though? I mean, Jalen Hurts is facing now a... V- We'll see what happens. They're timed for these guys. Yeah, to come I'm, off the I'm happy list. to take Hertz, but he's he also does not have a high ceiling. Okay, we got 166 votes so far. Who do you like this week? James Robinson or Rashad Penny? 51.2 percent Penny, 48.8 percent James Robinson. Wow, it's a lot a closer call. than I thought it would be. All right, guys, I want to tell you about Stamps.com because this is the right time to be using Stamps.com. First of all, the offer is incredible. If you go to Stamps.com and you sign up with the promo code FFT, you're going to get a special offer. It's a four-week free trial, a free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Four-week trial, free postage, digital scale, with no long commitment or contracts at Stamps.com with the promo code FFT. So right now, if you want to skip the trip to the post office... Dodge all that hectic holiday shopping traffic. Save time and money at Stamps.com. Stamps.com lets you compare rates, print labels, access exclusive discounts on both UPS and USPS services all year long. And it really just makes a lot of sense, especially if you're a small business, if you sell things online, things like that. If you need to send more mail and packages right now during the holidays, we can save you so much time if you just go to Stamps.com. And I actually have used Stamps.com uh, last year, actually, used it to send a few things out, and it's great. I mean, it's exactly what I said. Anything you want to do with the post office, you can do right from your home. Why not take advantage of that? Again, stamps.com, promo code is FFT, a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter the code FFT. All right, news and notes. Let's go through this real quick. Taylor Heineke is going to start this week. Damian Harris was limited in practice. He's at the Colts on Saturday. So we're hoping he can make it. Well, I don't know if we're hoping he can make it back. (laughs) Depends if you have Stevenson or not. Uh, Odell Beckham is on the COVID list, along with two defensive backs and six other players as they face Seattle. This is definitely something we have to keep an eye on. Um, it's, It's not two defensive backs, including Ramsey. It's two more defensive backs. So the Rams are in a tough spot, but Tyler Higby. I, I think, I, I think they they're like they shut down their facilities just like the Browns. Yes, we, the next day or two is going to be key because there's some real concerns that a lot of those guys were on the same plane coming back. Um, yeah, just the night before they all tested positive. Yeah. I, I know the NFL does not want to do any postponements or rescheduling. I mean, I think the rule is they'd have to. Lose? Forfeit, right. Forfeit, yeah. Yeah. Jeez, seems a little harsh. Uh, Which will cause all kinds of an uproar in fantasy leagues. 
I, I just, I, I really like, it seems like if you're a really good team and you've seen what's happened the last two days, you need to go back to whatever you were doing last year and just go full bore. We're not going to have any cases. Yeah. A lot of teams want it. It's a matter of whether or not the players will go along with it. Testing every day. Though I shouldn't say a lot of teams want it. I've read that teams are, are want to do that, want to go back to that. Just it's it's winning time. You know, you can't lose these players. And obviously there's the health and safety matter of it too. All right. Tyler Higby is off the reserve COVID list. Jarvis Landry is on it and Austin Hooper and two starting offensive linemen mm. for Cleveland. And they have the Raiders on Saturday, and we plan on talking about Donovan Peoples-Jones in this uh, Tough Calls segment coming up. Giovanni Bernard is on IR. Washington has a lot, a lot of COVID cases. And Kendall Fuller, one of their top cornerbacks, uh, reserve defensive tackle Tim Settle, they're added on along with Montez Sweat, Jonathan Allen. It's, it's a lot for Washington right now. Kansas City, potentially a very huge. Yeah, big one here with Chris Jones. Literally. Yeah, so th- Kansas City's on a six-game winning streak. Their defense has been one of the best. This is going to be a huge challenge for them now without Jones. I, I didn't realize that five of their last six games in this winning streak were at home. Now they're going on the road Thursday night, probably without Chris Jones and their defense. I, I haven't seen... I Somebody tweeted me yesterday and said, why haven't we made a bigger deal? Chris Jones didn't test positive. He was just a close contact. He could still play, and I, I haven't seen that, but I, oh. I need to look into it. I if that is did. the case, then he's got a shot to play, and that's good news for the Chiefs' DST, good news for the Chiefs' defense as a whole, bad news for the Chargers' offense. I'll try to do some research to see if that tweeter okay. was correct. Yes. Please. Uh, Keenan Allen's going to play. Austin Eckler was limited. Indications have been that he's going to play. Got to keep an eye on James Conner and DeAndre Hopkins. You have to pick up Chase Edmonds this week. Conner getting an MRI on his ankle and short week coming off the Monday night game at Detroit. DeAndre Hopkins, MRI on his leg. Daniel Jones is out this week and no commitment that he'll be back at any point this season. Aaron Rodgers got the toe injury. He says it's not going to be a problem. And Dan Campbell, he's hopeful to get DeAndre Swift back against the Cardinals. He's hopeful to get TJ Hawkinson back. And we will see. All right, let's go to Tough Calls Part 2, guys, and um, just going to try to speed it along a little bit here. So I'm just going to shut up, and I'm going to say a name. I'm going to let you go. Dave, you can start. A.J. Dillon facing one of the best run defenses. Let's call him a top-five run defense. A.J. Dillon coming off a 15-carry, zero-catch game against the Ravens. Is he a tough call for you? He is a challenging call, and I my heart wants to use him as a number-two fantasy running back. I like that he's still... Very relevant in the Packers' offense. He's getting more work than Aaron Jones. He's just not, in the case of last week, getting the touchdowns. I think he's okay as a number two running back. I might have him ahead of Penny and Robinson right now. He's probably, he might end up in between those guys, but they're all in that same mix as running backs who, you know, there's some concern with. But at least in his case, it sure seems like he's getting, he's a safe bet for 15 touches. It just seems that way now. Okay, well, there are only two running backs this year with more than 59 carries, I believe, or 59 yards rushing. So if you don't get any catches, you know, it's very hard. you got to score. Well, he score. does do that. He can get catches. We've seen that from him. We just didn't see that much last week. Sure, sure. The other thing, I'll keep in mind, the Raven is, am I crazy or is Calais Campbell? He is. Uh, he, he got hurt, but list. they've, you know, they've had him. I don't think he's on the cover list. He just left last week's game very early with an injury. He has missed some time. He's he's left some games early. It hasn't really affected them, but okay. he is obviously a very important player and something to keep in mind. Yeah. 
Um, all right, Heath, how about you on Dylan? I'm, I mean, it's hard to know with the Packers. If you look, forget about the game where Aaron Jones had just come back, but if you look at the way they've been used, there are weeks where A.J. Dillon does not see a target, and there are weeks where he gets four passes and Aaron Jones doesn't catch a pass. But I'm kind of leaning more on what their usage was in the most recent game, and that was Aaron A.J. Dillon just as the running downs guy, Aaron Jones as the pass catcher. I think we mostly think that Aaron Jones is still better at that role than Dillon is. That's yeah. not how you want to attack this Ravens defense at all. And it's one thing to face a defense like the Rams, who are just talented everywhere. This is a matchup where you're facing a Ravens defense that's awesome against the run and miserable against the pass. Yeah. So I really don't want to I, – I don't think the running game is going to be successful. Are we looking at Dylan as a touchdown needy running back? Is that fair to say for this week? He's got to find a way to hammer for a short yardage goal line score. Yep. I don't think he's all that much different than Foreman or Penny. That I'd, um, I I agree with you on that. Right. So in that regard, he's in that same range. But unlike Robinson and Penny's matchup is tough, although I think he can get to 15 touches. I think that Dylan's in line for another 15 touches. Yeah, and he's yeah. the exact same guy. He's got to score. One thing that makes me a little more hopeful for Dylan is they do have such a great passing game, and maybe the Ravens, who have had zero respect for the Browns' passing game, they're not going to be able to, to necessarily defend them the same way. But um, what about this? There's no guarantee that he outcarries Aaron Jones. Aaron no. Jones is one of the best running backs in football. You know, there's no we don't know what the roles are going to be week to week. We got to see a little more. All right, do you like Dylan or our next guy, Javante Williams, in a very interesting matchup against the Bengals? And they have played almost no close game. They played three close games all year. Three games decided by eight points or less. It's all blowouts. So it's hard to know. You know, game script is so important to them, but they don't have a lot of back and forth competitive games. This could be one of them. Um, who do you like better, Heath, Dylan or Javante? Right now, I have Javante and Melvin both ahead of Dylan. But I do think that even if this is a game they win, I think this is a low scoring, um, low volume game. So it. Like, I don't feel very confident Javante is getting 15 touches, as we were talking about with the other guys. It's just that I think he'll have a couple of catches. Um, I'm I'm pretty worried about both. And I put Javante on, my, uh, on Twitter, on my Fooled You team, because I think he's one of those guys who has helped people get to the playoffs the last month who could just lay a complete egg. Yeah. Uh, Dave, your thoughts on Javante versus Dylan? He's my favorite of the Broncos and Packers running backs. And Dylan is actually my least favorite of the Broncos and Packers running backs. I, I think that he's still going to have a shot to score and, and, and rack up some yardage. We've seen touchdowns to running backs in seven of the last 10 games against the Bengals. Cincinnati's done an okay job at slowing down some running games lately. Pittsburgh's, for example. San Francisco's, I don't know if we really should say, ooh, wow, amazing job. Cincinnati show, slowing down Jeff Wilson and Jamichael Hasty. Wow. Um, I, I think the Broncos' identity is running the football. I think they're doing a good job of it, and I think that this is a game where both teams can maybe slow it down a little bit. And I, I think it would behoove the Bengals to do it, and I think the Broncos, it's just kind of in their DNA to do it. So Williams is the one that would be the most appealing to me for his breakout skills um, and certainly for – simply the fact that he's been getting a lot of work. I, I can double check the snap counts uh, for the Broncos last week. 
but I believe you said that it was Gervonta the same. Was ahead. Oh no, no they it was were exactly the same. Remember, I made a big yep. deal about yep. that. They were both forty nine percent. And well, Gordon Gordon was had more work from ten yards or closer. Javante had more work on third and fourth downs. Uh, yeah, I, I think they're close, Javante and Gordon. But I think Javante is the one I'd rather start. Yeah, I just I want to give this though. You know, in in the losses, he's had seven, eight, eleven, four, and eight carries in five losses that he played with Melvin Gordon. They lost the Chiefs game. He had twenty three carries, no Melvin Gordon. But that's seven, eight, eleven, four, and eight carries. Um, and in wins, it's 12 to 15 in five of seven games, one game with 17 carries, one game with nine carries. So it, it is a big difference. But like I said, they're always playing in blowout wins or blowout losses pretty much. And just just to give perspective on what you usually get from Javante Williams, now the last three games have been great. I think you got to eliminate the Chiefs game, just different situation, no Gordon. Um, but he still scored 20 points in the other two, 20 or more points in the other two games. But they were both wins. In his first 10 games, he was usually about you know, 12 or fewer PPR fantasy points. That's, that was what he, The only time he has scored more than that in the first 10 games of the season, more than 12 PPR fantasy points, is when he scored a touchdown. And he only did that in two games in, in his first 10. So is that kind of what you're thinking? I mean, are you thinking 12, 12 PPR fantasy points or so for Javante and Gordon, I guess? Yeah. Yeah, right in that range, which is a low-end number two running back. I think they've got upside to be better than that. All right, which I'm is do something one. I don't know if we can say about any other running back you've brought up so far. Oh, I, I think every oh, like, Robinson, <laughs> like Rob, AJ Dillon had every every running no, they back. All I would expect upside, if they score a touchdown, most right, sure, 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 sure. But who's got the most upside? I would say Robinson. Would would I would say Robinson. Yeah. Okay, I'll say Williams. Uh, by the way, let's update the Twitter poll. We're at 599 votes. Who do you like this week? Half PPR. Robinson against Houston, Penny at the Rams, 49.2% Robinson, 50.8% Penny. Awesome. Ooh, yeah. Nice job with the 50-50 poll. All right, we do one more here, and it's Donovan Peoples-Jones, and it's a big opportunity for him against the Raiders, who have been great most of the year against wide receivers, struggling a bit lately. Heath, I think you're pretty high on Donovan Peoples-Jones. I'm going to check his roster percentage. Go ahead and make the case for him and who you're comparing Peoples-Jones to this week. Yeah, he's a high-end number three wide receiver with enormous upside and a scary, scary floor just because like, we have not seen very many games this season. In fact, three where he's caught more than two passes. Now, what we've also seen is that the first two years of his career, over 55 targets, he's averaging almost 20 yards per catch. Um, But if there's no Jarvis Landry, if there's no Austin Hooper, and maybe most importantly, if there's no David Njoku, because Njoku has been that deep threat guy when he's been on the field, even as a tight end, which is weird. um, I think we're probably going to see six, seven, maybe even eight targets for Peoples-Jones, he's averaged about 12 PPR fantasy points in the six games that he's had at least five targets. That seems like a near guarantee. Um, I'm comparing him, I won't say, like I think he's in the same range, honestly, as DK Metcalf, but people are going to start DK Metcalf over Donovan Peoples-Jones because of his name. Um, But I I think like Mike Williams, uh, Chase Claypool, Jerry Judy, Gabriel Davis, Michael Gallup, Devontae Parker, Darnell Mooney. That's the range he's in for me, and I currently have him ahead of all those guys. Okay. um, 
Yeah, I have a follow-up on the Browns. But go ahead, Dave, if you want to talk about DPJ. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Fantasy football is more about opportunity than talent. And the guy in the Petri dish this week to prove that is Donovan Peoples-Jones. I think he's got a great opportunity to get the eight type of targets that Heath mentioned. But he's been a horribly inefficient player. Um, certainly over the course of his career, but certainly most definitely over the last four weeks, his catch rate over the last four weeks is below 50%, despite an A dot of 14.0. And he's just, he's just being blessed with this chance to be the main target for Baker Mayfield in the Browns offense against a beatable defense. So the, the Raiders have been okay against receivers all year. But high-volume receivers have beaten them this year. There have been 12 receivers with at least eight targets against Las Vegas. Nine of them have come through with a floor of 11 PPR points. I think you're okay penciling him in for six for 50 or five for 60, however you want to to do it. Um, And there is upside. He had two end zone targets last week. He's a tall receiver. He's got nice long arms, but he drops a bunch of passes, two in his last four games, for example. And he gets a lot of deep throws from Baker, and they're not necessarily on target. And even when they are, they're, they turn into contested catches. As a matter of fact, he doesn't have the type of speed that you like, which makes every target turn into a contested catch for him. So I, I think he's not a, a, a overly talented, elite type of player. But he's just being given an opportunity. And if you're looking for a number three receiver, he's absolutely in that mix. Point of clarification, because Dave and I said completely opposite things about Donovan Peoples-Jones efficiency. I, I think we're defining that in a different way. Um, he's averaged 19.8 yards per catch, 13.3 yards per target, caught 67% of his career targets, and scored once every 10 targets. From a fantasy perspective, that is as sufficient as you can be as a wide receiver. That's over the balance of his career? Yes. Is it fair to judge him on the balance of his career, or is it more fair to judge him on what he's done lately? Philosophical well, question for you. I, I Always, the larger sample size you can get, the better. But if you were going to say what he's done lately, I would just ask that we extend it to five games and not four. And then he's averaged 21 yards per catch, 12 yards per target, and 56% catch rate. All right, guys. Um, I want to make okay. I want to make one point about the Browns. I think David Njoku is a sneaky Has a ad. Chance. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's on the COVID list right now. You can stash him in an IR spot. Mm-hmm. And he's widely available, obviously. Hooper's on the COVID list more recently. It's a good chance that just like Hooper last week, that Njoku is the only guy this week and the Raiders. Uh, wait, sorry. No, who's their matchup this week? When we, the Raiders. Yeah, the Raiders. Raiders. Um, <laughs> my bad. Uh, terrible against tight ends. So uh, that's Njoku's sneaky. By the way, don't make ad drops if you're not in the playoffs. If you're listening, Keith? Podcast League, what are you doing, guy? Who? One guy. I'm not going to call him out. But what are you doing? I thought Dave said Heath. I well, you I did in our in our dynasty league, and I think well, I remember your rule is that it's okay to make ad drops even when you're of out. Of course, in a dynasty, dynasty league, league, you can make make ad drops all the way through week eighteen. Why am I favorite? Why am I a one hundred and twenty six point underdog in the podcast league right now? I would get you have an illegal lineup. Yeah, <laughs> I bust. Uh, I have to put Njoku on IR. Okay, um, we are going to take a thirty second break. When we come back, we are breaking down. Kansas City and the Chargers. Going to try to get to the feud. Going to try to... We're definitely going to read your emails. We'll be right back on Fantasy Football Today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, here we go. Chargers and Chiefs. We'll start off with an update on Chris Jones. Apparently, there are two people on Twitter who are pretty convinced, and they are not um, verified or reporters of any kind that I can tell, who are very convinced that Chris Jones did not test positive and is a close contact. But there's no one else who's saying that. They have said it to a lot of people. Um, at this point, I believe Chris Jones, we should expect to not play. Well, the Chiefs are three-point favorites. And we got a 52-point total. It, start, it opened at 49 and a half. So let's go. Let's get a big one. I, I was thinking about this. I was thinking, like, against the Chargers have been very good this year. And they're playing on the road. And the Chargers already beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead. It does not seem like the Chiefs should be favored. But then you remember the last time these two teams played, the Chiefs turned the ball over on their first three possessions, lost the turnover battle 4-0, and Justin Herbert needed a touchdown pass with 35 seconds left to win. The Chiefs are on a six-game winning streak. Five of them have been at home, and they have given up no more than 17 points to any team in those six games. They have allowed exactly nine points in three straight games, but this is a step up in competition. They have faced the Giants, the Packers without Aaron Rodgers, the Raiders twice, the Cowboys with no Cooper and with CeeDee Lamb leaving at halftime, and the Broncos. And... What one thing I've seen, look at the last three games. Opponent pass attempts. Just go to the six games. 32, 34, 35. The last three games, 43, 40, and 45. That really jumped out to me. And that's what made me kind of have a little Mike Williams FOMO. If you could get the 40 points, uh, 40 mm-hmm. pass attempts from, from uh, Justin Herbert. Um, but anyway, uh, where do you want to start? Why don't we start with the Chargers here? Uh, and is, who do you like better, Herbert or Mahomes? Mahomes, barely. Herbert. All right, both are must-starts, right? Yes. Yep. Okay. Uh, Eckler's a must-start. Keenan Allen, right back in there? Right back in. Yep. Okay. All right, Mike Williams, start or sit? I'll call him a start. I like the fact that in his last five games, he's seen at least six targets per game. 12-plus PPR points in three of the five. His dot is coming down, so he's getting those shorter targets that he wasn't getting in the middle of the year when he was basically absent from producing major fantasy points. Is that, and sorry I, to interrupt, is that yeah, sure. dot coming down consistently or just last week? Because last week he was he was almost Keenan Allen the way they Right, right, it. right. I believe it's been over the last few games, not just one game. But uh, Let's take a look. Yeah, go ahead. Last five. His ADOT's eight yards. His catch rate's up 73%. I like that. And I'm hoping that it stays that way even with Keenan Allen coming back and that they don't use him as strictly a downfield weapon. More importantly, I like the fact that the targets are starting to go back in the right direction because he's working more as a short area receiver as well as doing um, some things downfield as well. So I'm okay with him. As a low-end number two wide receiver, someone who might be able to come through for good numbers, he's actually come through for amazing numbers in his last two games against Kansas City um, in the neighborhood of over 100 yards, at least six catches, and a touchdown 
in each of those games. So the track record's there. The role is changing back into something that's more reliable for fantasy purposes. And it's a game where Justin Herbert should throw quite a bit. I think that might be a little deceiving. We have another COVID situation. Kevin Stefanski has tested positive for the Browns. Um, What's deceiving? Okay, so because... How am I deceived? No, 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 not intentionally. Uh, if you look at the A dot, you said it's eight yards per uh, over the last six games. Last five, five games. Last five games. All right, so he had this strange game against the Minnesota Vikings where his A dot was 1.7, and last week it was 3.2 without Keenan Allen. The other three games, 9, 10, and 14.4. What were they in the games prior? Maybe the three or, three yeah, or four sure. games Yeah, sure. Oh, much higher. 17.8, 14.4, 15.6, I'm good with what I said. Okay. I'm good with it. All right. Even the 9 and 10 ADOT games, it's lower. It's lower. Yep, it's definitely lower. All right. Um, Heath, anything on Williams? Borderline number two, number three. High, high, high ceiling, low, low, low floor. Okay. Uh, um, and then no Jared Cook, right? Sit him. I do think that's a we, just real quick because we've said that about a couple of guys and we've talked about upside and floor a lot. During the season, I normally just play the guys who I th- have projected the highest. Do you guys factor upside and floor in more in the postseason? Do you lean more one way or the other? I rank the same way in the fantasy postseason as I do the regular season. I don't want to change very much. Just yeah. So you don't look at your opponent don't. and think, I need upside this week. I, I don't do it. I, my, the reason why I don't do it is a little selfish. I'm you know, playing in a ton of leagues, and I don't have the chance to go and look at every single opponent and who I'm going up against. So when, when I go through my lineups, I'm just setting the best lineup I possibly can. And I'm usually shooting for upside in the majority of cases anyway, but upside's relative. You know, there's, there's Marquez Valdez-Scantling upside where you know that he's the type of receiver who really relies on making one big play in order to be useful for fantasy. And then there's the upside in somebody like, uh, we could say Donovan Peoples-Jones or Mike Williams, who we're assuming can get a lot of targets and potentially catch a touchdown. And they have more chances to come through for a few big plays than someone like MVS or a Nelson Aguilar or somebody like that. Yeah, I don't really change anything, I don't think. I just I want to make sure I have some upside in my lineup i wouldn't go at all safe i guess but mm-hmm. i can't imagine a lineup that has no upside but uh i i think uh mike williams would be i think he's kind of easy for me i just i think he's really sucked lately i mean if you look at his last six or seven games he had the 50 yard touchdown against the steelers where they which was a defensive him. breakdown and then right. he had he had a great game against the Bengals. but i've been watching some of his film he doesn't get open he doesn't look no. explosive i'm not sure he's healthy and he needs a big play downfield, and the Chiefs aren't really giving those up. So I'm I'm trying to sit him. And you don't care what he did against the Chiefs earlier this year? No, the Chiefs are so different now than they were earlier this year. But not having Chris Jones is a huge deal. I mean, it's going to make things easier for Herbert. So that's what's pulling me back, is I think Herbert can have a big game here. I agree. I think that matters a lot. Uh, and we don't sorry. know what the deal is with LeJarrius Sneed either. But he's their Not slot corner, he, isn't he? Right, right, right. So I don't think that mad, that would really help Keenan Allen, obviously, since Allen lines up in the slot a bunch. Williams doesn't line up in the slot much at all. But it's it's not like I expect their their secondary to completely shut down the Chargers passing game. And I don't know if their pass rush is going to be able to mess with Herbert a lot, especially if Jones isn't there. Now, it could be a lot of Eckler, though. The Chiefs give up a ton of receptions to running backs. That's always a big part of it. What would be a nightmare situation is if 
Rashawn Slater doesn't play for the Chargers. He's on the COVID list. And Chris Jones does play for the Chiefs. Because now we're talking about both tackles for the Chargers not being very good and the Chiefs D-line, their pass rush being at close to full strength. All right, so that guys, would be problematic. Wrapping up the Chargers, Jared Cook is a sit, right? Uh, you can find another tight end better than Jared Cook. Yep. Okay, Njoku? If, well, that's nah, it's a Thursday game. not going to be able to do that. Okay. Unless Njoku's cleared by Thursday afternoon. In which case, you'd rank him ahead of Cook? For sure. Okay. Patrick Mahomes is top six. He's only had two good games in his last seven. Both were against the Raiders. Who play a ton of cover three. And this was the game when week three where Mahomes and the Chiefs kind of started to get exposed. I know the stats don't necessarily suggest that, but the Chargers played a lot of cover one. More in this game, almost twice as much in this game than in any other game this year. And I would expect them to stick to it. And Mahomes hasn't been great against cover one since that game. So I think you're going to see a lot of man coverage from the Chargers. They're going to really rely on their pass rush to get to Mahomes. And they also did a good job of pressing Travis Kelsey. Something interesting happened in this game. And I watched the film from week three to, to really get started on this game. They were jamming Kelsey, and Kelsey was struggling with it. And the, the timing really? was off with Mahomes because they were using – it wasn't just Derwin James. It was another defensive back, too, sometimes a linebacker, pressing on Kelsey. And Kelsey was just a step or two behind where he needed to be. And then on the plays where they were pressing Kelsey, <laughs> he yeah, was getting uh, 20 and 30-yard receptions <laughs> on the regular. So go. I wonder if we're going to continue to see more of that type of physical coverage on Kelsey. And uh, honestly, I think it could lead to a really good game for Edwards Elaire, who's been good the past couple of weeks. I've got him as a top 10 running back now. Uh, I think he's got a chance to, if, if the Chargers stick with this cover one, I think this is really where they go offensively is a lot of using the running backs. So, yeah, Heath, look, the Chiefs are, are easy. I think there's going to be a little anxiety about Mahomes, uh, but ultimately he's going to be started in most leagues. And then Hill and Kelsey are going to be started in almost all leagues. So it's Clyde with the girl you're wrong. Right, yeah. So it's kind of it's kind of Clyde Edwards Elair. First of all, we've talked about a lot of running backs. James Robinson, the Broncos, the Packers, Rashad Penny. It's Clyde right Edwards Elair. All, All of them. Um, would you start All him or uh, Miles Sanders? Clyde. Clyde. Gibson. Clyde. Yep. Uh, yep. Jacobs against the Browns. Jacobs. I have Jacobs higher. Miles Gaskin if he plays against the Jets. Clyde. Clyde. All right. Clyde over Saquon, Clyde over Cordero, Clyde over a Broncos running back, Clyde over David Montgomery. Oh, all right, I got one good one for you. Clyde or Yeah, I'm not I'm not that far. All right, Clyde or Leonard Fournette against the Saints. Fournette. I have Fournette higher. Only, but I get it. I get the it. Bad, he had a bad game against the Saints. Sure. As I recall. I haven't I don't remember off the top of my head. I haven't looked sure at that bad. game yet. Maybe I come around to Clyde over Fournette. Was I, that but that was was that back before no. he'd become like the true feature back? No, no. It, it's basically his only bad game. He had eight carries for 26 yards and three catches for 17 yards. Right, so he didn't even get the workload. Yeah, but but it was in the midst of him becoming their lead back. I mean, he had 20, 12, 22, 15 carries in the four games before that. He just had a, a stinker against the Saints. I'm uh, just looking um, at how many targets Geo had was what I was thinking, because they were playing from behind, and there was a period of time when Geo was kind of their hurry-up, play-from-behind yep. running back. Um, Who's going to find it first? And it looks like he only had one catch. Ronald Jones had one catch and three carries. They had five, seven touches for Jones and Geo in that game. 
Fournette's one of those guys where, man, you're so happy to have him on your team. One of the best ads or drafts of the year, and draft picks of the year, and you just kind of wish he was playing anyone else this week. Uh, all right, so that's it for this game. Chiefs DST is in play. They've been on fire. Just want to see where they are in the rankings. Chiefs DST is ninth for Jamie, 14th for Dave, 19th for Heath. Heath, you're too low. They'll on the go Chiefs. up for me if Jones plays. Okay. Maybe maybe into the top 12. All right. Dynasty talk or fantasy feud? We can do the dynasty talk in like 30 seconds and then do fantasy feud. Let's do it. Uh, biggest the riser this season for me, I think, Elijah Mitchell, who we weren't even sure was going to be one of the top three backs for the 49ers this season, has... I think really kind of mirrors, even though he was drafted, so it's slightly different, what we saw last year from James Robinson and the meteoric rise in the dynasty ranks for Robinson, who had a very, very good year. Now, he didn't have the injuries that Mitchell has, but uh, Mitchell now up into definitely the top 30 and a borderline top 20 dynasty running back right now, but there's just significant risk also. I think I saw somebody tweet, you know, if – if any of the running backs who were drafted in the first three rounds had had a season like Mitchell, they'd be a surefire top 10 dynasty running back right now. And that's true. But as Robinson's shown us, there's, there's a much shorter leash when you're not one of the guys. And it's partially different because Robinson had a new coaching staff. Mitchell probably won't. Okay. Um, would you rather have Cam Akers or Elijah Mitchell in dynasty? <laughs> I'm coming around to Acres being okay. Maybe it's the videos on the internet of him doing things. Um, I actually have them back to back. Acres at 25, Mitchell at 26. Okay, your faller is Christian McCaffrey. It's it's hard not to be worried about the injuries, and now he doesn't really even have youth on his side. I believe he'll be 26 at the start of next season, so maybe you've got two more good years of him. He was number one for so long, and then I dropped him to number two behind Jonathan Taylor back in October. And now, right this moment, I've got him at 10th. He may creep up a little bit going into next year, but yeah, I mean, there's uncertainty about whether he'll get the full McCaffrey workload, whether he can hold up to that, and how many years you have left of him as an elite running back. So who do you have? Can you give us the top 10? Uh, Taylor, Swift, Harris, um, Eckler, Dobbins, Dub, Alvin. The one I really struggle with is Javante Williams. DeAndre Swift number two is pretty wacky, by the way. It's bold. It's bold. It's very bold. I mean, part of it is he's 22 years old. Uh huh. Yeah. Harris. He's, he's younger than Najee Harris. Yeah. Okay. All right, good stuff. Let's play the feud. Yeah, we can't do the exact family feud theme because then we're going to get sued. Right. Well, you're going to get sued. You did it. Well, no, I changed it at the end. Uh, I'm pretty uh, sure it's okay for us to do it with our voices because we're not hitting the exact uh, notes. Oh, I have perfect pitch. Yeah, I have perfect pitch. I, I, I nailed it. All right, top five. Answers are on the board. Give me the leaders in rushing yards. Heath. Heath. 
Jonathan Taylor. That is the number one answer. Heath, pass or play? I will. I'll play. Why not? Oh, okay, good. Jonathan Taylor off the board. We need the the rest of the top five in rushing yards. Derrick Henry. Correct. He is fourth. Um, Joe Mixon. Correct. He is second. Ooh, second. Um, top five answers on the board. Looking for rushing yard leaders. We have three of the five so far. This is gross. Um, oh, let me get the wrong buzzer queued up. Yeah, you're you're going Don't to need it for sure. Um, <laughs> how much time do I have left? Five Nine. seconds. Austin Eckler. Eckler is incorrect. He's 13th. I can't believe this is right, but I, I'm running out of guys to guess, so I'll say Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook is third, believe it or not. I was surprised yeah. by that. Third so I have rushing. first, second, third, and fourth? Yes, you do. You need who's fifth in rushing yards. Um, Five seconds. Guess James Robinson. <laughs> Okay, you got one more guess. That's I mean, I guess strikes. I'm just going to say uh, N- Najee Harris. All right, Dave. Not Najee. The Richard family has a chance to steal. We've got Taylor, Mixon, Cook, and Henry off the board. Who is number five in rushing yards for all the points? I was definitely going to guess Cook. Oh, man, this is probably a terrible guess. Nick Chubb? Nick Chubb is correct! Yeah! Mm. All right, Najee I'm Harris. I'm the greatest fantasy feud player ever! Najee Harris was sixth. Najee Harris was sixth. Can we talk about what a dumb game this is? No. It's like not, not your version, but like the actual game that somebody gets 80% of the oh, right, questions sure right and zero right, right, points. Right. Well, and it's always a game going into the final question. Yeah, the thing, the, the, what happens almost never matters I, until the last round. It's, right, it's right, really right. silly. All right, uh, top six answers are on the board. Give me your points per game leaders in PPR at tight end. The top six tight ends Dave. points per game. Dave. Mark Andrews. That is correct, but it is not the number one answer. Heath, you have a chance to get the number one answer and control of the board. George Kittle. That is correct. Pass or play. Uh, why, I mean, why not? Let's play. All right. Top six tight ends per game in PPR. Kittle Do we is, have a minimum games played? Uh, No, but it don't. It, they're okay. all. Yeah, they're okay. all. They've played. Um, Rob Gronkowski. I'm not saying they all played every game. Yeah. Rob Gronkowski is third. So you have one, two, and three. Kittle, Andrews, and Gronk. Kelsey. Kelsey is fourth. You have one, two, three, four. Darren Waller. Waller is fifth. You have one, two, three, four, five. There's a reason I went top six on this one. Dawson Knox. Hey, what a sweep by that Heath Cummings. All right, Heath crushing it. There you go. So one-to-one is the score. This is perfect. All right, final category. The top five answers are on the board. I'm looking for the top five. <laughs> you can't even get it out. It's oh, such yeah. a bad category. Be like kickers. <laughs> the top five fantasy quarterbacks with only one syllable in their first name. Dave. Dave. Dak Prescott. He is number four. Heath, you have a chance to control the board here. Josh Allen. He's number two. All right. Pass or play? It's the top how many? Top five fantasy quarterbacks with one syllable first names. Top five fantasy quarterbacks with one syllable. No, you have to pass or play. Pass or play. Pass or play. I'm going to play. Oh, he's going to play. Okay. Now you can think about it. 
Uh, Tom Brady. Tom Brady is number one. You have so one, I've got Brady, two, and four. Allen, and Dak. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kirk Cousins. Yes, he's number three. Ahead of Dak. So that's four of five? Yes. I don't know any other quarterbacks with one syllable. Are we going points per game or total points? Uh, I think this is total points. Total points. So it's just uh, the first six quarterbacks in total points. Five. Five with the first syllable in their name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One syllable for. So you're going down the whole list. All right, the first five guys on the list that have the first. Yes. So Tom, thank you for delaying a little bit for me, Dave. Mac Jones. Tom, Josh, Kirk, and Dak are off the board. Mac Jones is is wrong. Um. Mac Jones is wrong. Five seconds. (laughs) Ah. You. I'm gonna so tell. Get, I'm gonna tell you guys that I am counting Stafford as a Matthew. By the way, Matthew Stafford. So it's not him. But is Matt Ryan a Matt? Matt or Matthew? Ryan. Matt Ryan is a is a Matt. Uh, Matt Ryan is. Just kidding. <laughs> Incorrect. All right, Dave. You have a chance to win the game with whatever first name you're gonna uh, say right here. There's two quarterbacks I thought of, and they could both be wrong, and I gotta pick one. That's okay. Of them tell me. Give me your thought football. process. Who are you thinking? I'm down to Joe Burrow and Tua Tungavailoa. I don't know if Tua... It's total points. It can't be Tua. He hasn't played enough games. My guess is Joe Burrow. How many syllables do you think are in Tua? It's definitely two of them. Oh. <laughs> All right, fine. Burrow. Burrow is correct! Yeah! Congratulations on getting two, two names. Well, well dude, you didn't give me a chance to play. You hogged it all. And by the way, if I had won any of the other toss-up questions, I would have passed it to you anyway. Always play. Always play. Never play. <laughs> Never. One of my favorite pastimes is when we play Fantasy Feud with Jamie, and I always pass to Jamie because I love watching him. <laughs> Just, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, he does a much better job of it, but like, I, and I haven't played Fantasy Feud with Jamie in probably three years, but I used to constantly win the toss-up and pass to him and just laugh. <laughs> Uh, he probably fun. does the same thing to me. By the way, number six on the list of quarterbacks with one syllable uh, is Tua. Ben Roethlisberger at number 21 overall. So only five top 20 quarterbacks have one init- one syllable in their first name. Something we should probably consider for next year. All right, emails. Fantasyfootball at CBSI.com. We're going to fire through these. This is from Chris. Give me a super flex. Taylor Heineke, Taysom Hill, or Cam Newton? Taysom. Taysom. And pick two, James Conner, Joe Mixon, Antonio Gibson. Sit Gibson as long as Conner plays. Okay. Now, if you do sit Gibson, would you start at Superflex, Gibson or Taysom Hill? And I don't know Taysom. the form- format. Taysom. Taysom. All right. Probably Taysom. This is from Ryan. Hey, Fred, Kyle, Mark, and Serge. No idea. Uh, full PPR. Would you start Terry McLaurin, Mike Davis, or Josh Reynolds? Well, I mean, if McLaurin plays. Oh, that was basketball, by the way. Those are Raptors. Oh, that's Mm -hmm. good. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, so McLaurin, if he plays, and who if if not? Mike Davis, Josh Reynolds, or possibly Malcolm Brown. What a terrible decision that you'd have to make. 
I think I'd lean toward Davis, and that's more of like a safe play thing. All right, from Eric. Eric, dear Dick, Sally, Harry, and Tommy. Is that when Harry met Sally? Probably. Or when Dick met Tommy. Uh, Half PPR, Russ, Tua, or Ben? Uh, Russ the highest. Tua. Josh Reynolds or Deontay Foreman? Foreman. Foreman. What is? Oh, no, this is Third Rock from the Sun. Not Underrated show. Not When Harry Met Sally. Not the best sitcom, but an underrated sitcom. Uh, yeah, that I was back I when I watched it. TV. I don't know how it's rated, but if it's rated good, then I would say it's not necessarily underrated. Uh, from... <laughs> <laughs> well, you, no, you always it? hear about people talking about yeah, you know, I know sitcoms from the 90s. No one brings up Third Rock. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Tyler... Pick three and a half PPR. Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb, Javante Williams, Sony Michelle, and Ramondre Stevenson. Pick three. Aaron Jones, Chubb, Javante, Michelle, and Stevenson. What if, yeah, if I, Harris is I, out, though? Stevenson's in. Right? Right. It's Chubb and Williams, for sure. Um, Sony, if no Henderson. Stevenson, if no Harris. Jones, if both are back. <laughs> okay. And then this is from Marcus from a town in Ohio that recently had its baseball team name changed. Uh, this red moon rising. I think it's Akron. On the Cuyahoga River. Are you serious? It's Cle- Cleveland. Of course it's Cleveland, oh, okay. you nincompoop. <laughs> that was good acting. Dear Jason, that was uh, the song from Major League. Dear Jason, Jet, Terry, and Chuck. I mean, I feel like that sounds like the TNT studio, but I probably not. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, full PPR and a quarter point per carry. Pick three of four. Mixon, Daryl Henderson, Aaron Jones, Michael Carter. So it's probably going to come down to Henderson and Carter. Slightly in Carter, unless we catch wind of Henderson becoming the main running back for the Rams. Yep. And finally, in that same question, uh, if you sit Henderson, would you start him or Ryan Tannehill in Superflex? Tannehill. Lean Tannehill. From, this is Apple Podcast now, from Heath Pats fan. This is another guy named Heath that also likes to smoke meat as a hobby. 10-team Dynasty League. I have what the, are the odds? Right? I have the luxury of having both Mahomes and Brady, but I've this decision has baffled me Blah, blah, blah. I seem to start the wrong one each week. It's cost me at least two matchups. Um, so what do I do? Mahomes or Brady going forward? And what is Heath's favorite meat to smoke? I'll answer the first question, and I'll say Brady over Mahomes. I'm going to say Brady over Mahomes, and I think Brady's my number one quarterback this week. I am just a little bit worried about the success the Saints have had against uh, Brady. Yeah. In the past, um, their, their defense has has been pretty good against him, and so that makes me nervous. But I'm starting Brady. Um, favorite meat to smoke, the like definitely pork butt is the most common meat I smoke because that's the for me the easiest. Like I can put that in, smoke it for 12 hours, and it's going to be awesome every time. My favorite one when I do it right is definitely the brisket because of the burnt ends. Hmm. Mm. Okay, well, I'm going to end this show and go get something to eat. After one more question, it's from Gambino. Uh, would you start Aaron Jones over James Conner or Sony Michelle this week? 
I think this is an if then answer. Mm-hmm. If Connor's healthy and Chase Edmonds is being eased back in, or better yet, not taken off of IR, then Connor would go in over well, Jones. Well, let me hold on. Let's go with go what we know now. Okay, let's say Connor's in. We don't know that, but let's say he's in, and we know we think Edmonds is going to play. Edmonds Most likely scenario, Edmonds is going to play. So Jones okay, or fine. Connor. Uh, I think I'll still lean Connor over Aaron Jones. Yes, but as long as Henderson's back, I'm go- probably going Jones over Sony Michelle. And there. pick a wide receiver and a flex in PPR: Amari Cooper, Darnell Mooney, Devontae Parker. Uh, so let's start with that wide receiver. Cooper. And then yep. flex: Mooney, Parker. Oh, sorry, Julio Jones is in there too. No, I think that's oh, Aaron no, Jones. Right, no, right, running right. backs from a four, so yeah. the running back we're not starting. Right, Aaron Jones, Connor, Michelle. So you could feasibly start Connor, Aaron Jones, and Amari Cooper. I think I like that. Parker would be the only other guy I would give some consideration to. I think he can start all three running backs and Cooper, and that's what I would do. I think the first question was, is Aaron Jones in over yeah, Connor yeah. and Michelle, who were both starting? If Daryl Henderson plays in a full PPR league, would you rather start Parker or Michelle? Right now, I'd with, with no new information, I'm going to assume that Michelle's leading the backfield, and so I would still start him over Parker. Yep. Okay. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks for the extended show today and great conversations about some very difficult decisions. Hopefully, help clear things up and have a wonderful day. We'll talk to you tomorrow with Starter Sit for the AFC Home Games right here on Fantasy Football Today. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.